Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half-Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider, and that incredibly stressed out, overworked, under-rewarded gentleman 1,100 miles south-southeast of me is Kip Fisher, and we come to you slightly late on this uh, Friday evening, May 2nd, to bring you what will hopefully be a full 64th episode of Half-Ashed, and uh, quite a bit of shenanigans. Kip, are you, are you alive, are you with me, or are you still grinding your teeth? Uh, a little bit of both, but uh, just just to really kick this whole show in the pants, I'll mention I am drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee, not Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta get you off that swill. Hey. Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Dunkin' Donuts coffee is entirely too light for anyone who likes coffee. Come on, go away. You, you, go you away. Just, you just lost so much stock with me, man. Oh my gosh. Good. Good it's like. It's like a light roast that claims to be dark, and they only make it dark because they burn it. It's worse than Starbucks. Oh, you are you have no, got no. to be kidding me. <laughs> no, never mind Starbucks. I didn't say anything. Holy crap. I'm put a chunk of charcoal in a cup of water and get Starbucks, I <laughs> Did you just say you put a chunk of charcoal in a cup of water and it's Starbucks? You could, and it would be Starbucks. What? Charred... Burnt, over roasted, swill. Mm. Mm. Well, while you are making us all uh, salivate with such a lovely description that you're talking about right now, <laughs> I am lighting up our cigar of the week this week. Uh, I guess I should get around to clipping it. What do we got to say about it? We don't know much about it. This is this is almost an unbanded, except we don't get to find out what it is. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, I just realized that. Wow. Well, that's a downer. It is, but yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe it's a garbage cigar, and then we won't care what it was. We don't want to buy them anyway. I'm not so sure this is a garbage cigar. No. Uh, for those of you that uh, have the video going after our fiasco with chat software tonight, um, those of you who happen to be watching the video on Google Plus or at halfash.com, if you have a Cigar Federation profile or want to create one, you can hop over there tonight. We're streaming there as well, and their chat will work just fine. Um, you can jump in over there and join us in the chat room. Looks like we've got about 20 guys in there right now. Um, so come on over. And next week we will be returning, hopefully, with something fully functional. We, wow. we, yeah. So yeah. we say. That's what we thought yeah. last week. What we thought last week, but turns out we're gonna have to uh, work over some cash for a little bit of a little bit more, a uh, little bit bigger pipe to pump through with our hosting provider. Um, but anyway, back to the cigar. Uh, we don't know just a whole lot about it, except it's a Fuente cigar, and I got these at CFC this year back in February, I guess. And it has a couple of a couple of bands on it. The top one there you may recognize as some people just call them the triple X because they have three large X's. It's not not really the uh, typical Opus band. And these show up on prototypes and special cigars they give out at events like CFC and whatnot. And it also has the hundredth anniversary Destino Asiglo band uh, as a secondary band there. And we don't know, uh, like we mentioned, don't know a whole lot about it, except it is about 7 inches and a 47-ish 
ring throughout its length. We had some discussion about whether maybe it was a little uh, a little thicker on one end or not, but I think we agreed that the actual body of the cigar is about 47. It's tapered on both ends. Um, it's really pretty much the same size or very close to the same size as the Hemingway Classic. I uh, don't believe this is a Hemingway Classic just because it has those oddball bands on it. And so really that's about it. I, I know <clears throat> they tinkered around with a lot of these Destino Alciglo bands showing up on some of their oddball, um, oh, the name's escaping me, the Angel Share that they were doing for the 100th anniversary in 2012. And so that's really about it. We don't know wrapper filler, binder, we don't know anything. We just thought it'd be cool to smoke something we were clueless about, which is pretty much par for the course, I guess, if you ask most folks. Um, we're going to give it a try, see what happens. Well, it's uh, it's a fun one nonetheless. I mean, even if you don't really know much about it, it's <clears throat> it's one of those, you know, that... that you get into it, you don't know what to expect, you talk about it, you enjoy it, you uh, kind of treat it like a little bit of an unbanded, as you said initially, and, you know, we all certainly, in, well, you and I certainly enjoy the unbanded, so uh, we'll just have to put that thinking cap on for a second week in a row here and and get into the nitty-gritty. But we did reach out to a few other um, a few other cigar media members in the know here, and... Uh, did get some ideas, but they didn't really have much more to say other than what Kip's already talked about. But both Cigar Coop and uh, some of the gents over at Half Wheel provided their thoughts and <clears throat> suggested we go to FuenteAgeSelection.com or um, that came from Cigar Coop, which is always a great resource, that website, for some interesting and hard-to-find stuff. Uh, Half Wheel said to check with Moki. Um, and if you guys don't know, there's a, a guy who goes by Moki online, and he um, has a website with photographs of just about um, the most rare Fuentes I've ever seen anywhere online. Um, and uh, Half Wheel also followed up by saying that about 100 cigars a year have been put out uh, with this band. Is that I believe that was the count that he said. Do you remember that? Yeah, hundred ish. The thing with Fuente yeah. is, yeah, the thing with Fuente is they don't really talk a lot about this kind of thing. They uh, they make so many different cigars that they put out just for events or one of the family members to hand out to people they encounter or that kind of thing. So there, are who knows how many hundreds of these types of things have been produced over the past ten or fifteen years that that. Have, they're just not recorded for history. They just they just make their way out into the general populace. They don't show up on store shelves. They're not marketed. They're not sold at retail. They just just however and whenever they make it out. And for those of you watching on the video, you just saw my lovely wife come in and drop off the monitor for one of my sons, who's uh, asleep in the crib upstairs, and fan her fingers in front of her nose and make a, a vile, disgusting noise because she just enjoys my cigar smoke oh so much. <laughs> uh, that'll well, be the only time she probably appears on Half-Ashed as well. I'm already talking too much. My cigar's already gone out. You know what? Mine has too. 
I, uh, I, I, I probably was waiting about 20 seconds between puffs, and it still went out. Mine tunneled. Yeah. It started or canoed a little. Which well, is, mine's not canoed. The the burn's pretty good. It's just that it's. I think it's probably some somehow related to this little nipple here. I mean, it's not not a great surface area of fire until it gets into the body of the cigar. Hmm. I'm sure you're right that this doesn't seem like it's uh, you know, the the best point to pass judgment when you're just getting into the the neck of that cigar. But uh, I thought that that was a little unexpected. I went from having a, a slightly snug draw as I was at the um, as I was at the nipple to next puff. It was just substantially lighter and no smoke whatsoever. Yep. <laughs> this is uh, kind of out of character for Fuente to me. It's it's given me some tickle through the nose, and I've actually had to stave off a sneeze a couple times now. Hmm. I definitely think this is a much stronger version, or much stronger cigar than I expected it to be. Um, right away, though, it does have some really interesting sweetness to it. It tastes like it's got a little bit of time on it, but mm, I don't necessarily know if it's got time sitting around in an escaparate or if the tobacco used was just some vintage tobaccos, which could very easily be the case with them. But uh, so far, it's... Oh, for this uh, for the anniversary year 2012, which was their hundredth anniversary, I know Carlito tinkered and played with some amazing tobaccos, and you know most of those never made it to market. These could very well be some of that. We uh, the the year February of 2012 when we did CFC, and we were looking around the cooler where they keep. It's not really a warehouse, but it looks like a small warehouse. It's where they keep tobacco staged at factory number one to go into production. So it's been brought from bulk storage in the warehouses and put into this cooler to wait until it goes to the floor. And we were looking around, and they had tobacco in there going back to the 40s. And oh, my gosh. Playing around with different bales and tobaccos. And uh, uh, even had, there were even some talk of, him putting together a blend that had tobaccos whose ages added up to a hundred to for their big main cigar and all kinds of crazy stuff. So th- there's no telling what's in here. You know what's the what's the chance of? Uh, no, I won't say that. Um, what's the point I want to make here? Um, is there anyone who? has record of these. Not that we would ever have access to that. That's not where I'm going, but does, does Carlito or do some of the other blenders just play as almost palate extensions or self-education? Or is there ever record and tracks, and is it methodical? Mm. You know? I don't know specifically, but I know uh, Ario. Because mm-hmm. last name's Rosario, I believe, and it's funny I actually created a picture pictures with him today on Facebook. Um, we call him the Cigar Ninja because he's he's kind of the guy. He's not the manager of the factory number one. Uh, that that's Sammy, uh, who's the factory manager. But uh, Ariel is. We call him the Cigar Ninja because when we go through on the factory tours and stuff, he'll. 
he'll just suddenly be standing there beside you and chatting or whatever, and then you turn your head and he's gone. He's just like a ninja. <laughs> he's fierce. But he might have that kind of thing, actually. He he is involved deeply in the blending and quality control of the blends on the floor day to day. I wonder, you know, you, you hang around in tight cigar circles long enough and you start hearing stories about Fuente and how the company's run and how the company operates from a tobacco and a blending side of things. And... Um, I start wondering if some of this is compulsion, you know, like there's there's just compulsive <clears throat> um, playing would be a, a you know a common way of putting it. Um, you know, it's a very well known thing that Carlito is, um, I don't know, should you say obsessed with numerology? Um, fascinated is that, at least. Fascinated at least. That's a good way. Um, and numerology being an interesting study that uh, isn't the only interesting study that he seems to involve himself with, um, a near obsession or a fascination with history, with um, paying homage, uh, it, it, it all adds up to me as um, almost a Pandora's box potential of being able to open up these secrets, but at what cost will it come? I mean... Do we have to lose Carlito or Carlos Senior for uh, for those secrets to come out? You know, is that the cost? Is that the ultimate sacrifice? Or is this information just never going to be available? Is that combined brilliance that exists in Santiago? Is it never going to leave that those grounds? You know, I wonder. That's a good question. I, I know uh, the the children. Uh, some of the children, anyway, are being yeah. kind of worked into the company and brought into it in, in a real capacity. They're not just children anymore. They're not just part of the family. And specifically, I'm talking about Carlito's daughter, Liana, and Cynthia's daughter, Christina. And of course, her son was tragically killed earlier this year. But uh, they are being kind of... Of woven into the fabric of Fuente now, and they are the, the presumably the next generation um, uh, to to be brought in and to have this kind of knowledge. But you know, I don't know where they're at in that process. I don't know if either of them or somebody else will will pick up the the gauntlet, so to speak, for Carlito and Carlos Senior and blending. Um, and, and I don't know that that could be one person. The, the two of them have radically different blending styles. If you smoke any Fuente cigar, you can pretty much tell this is a Carlito blend or this is a Carlos Senior blend. They're they're very different. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what what the future is going to bring for Fuente. This is one of those cigars to me that if we weren't doing the show, would go down. I think as one of the most unique experiences I've had with a cigar. The flavors here are not regular. Um, they're not. They're, they're not at all. They're just like a savory berryness. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds, there's like the quality of uh, a sweetness there, but it's impacted by this almost a felt savoriness. You know, almost that mouth-watering kind of you know a, a salivary response to the cigar for me. 
the finish is a mile long without feeling as if the cigar is incredibly full. Usually those two things go together uh, in a normal cigar, but this is <clears throat> this is a cigar that appears as if the tobacco is ripe. It's mature, um, and so that finish continues, but it doesn't pollute the palate. Um, man, I I, uh, I think that I could just talk about this for an hour or so. It's yeah, I'm it, it's a really. I I think this is one of those uh, otherworldly experiences we're going to be able to have and remember. Yep, I hope so. Well, kind of do, kind of don't. Yeah, <laughs> you always want that kind of experience, but man, you know, if you, you just fall in love with it and know that there's zero percent chance you're ever going to have another one. Well, that's not exactly true. You know, um, you weren't the only guy who was at. CFC this year. Okay, I just got a really interesting flavor out of this. I definitely got hops, and, I, and on, I'm not I'm not a uh, enough of a hop head to be able to pinpoint the flavor or the specific type of hops. But without question, I got that slightly bitter, um, citrusy, aromatic flavor. That's when I retrohaled. That's that's pretty special. Holy cow. Cool. I don't even know what the heck I was saying before that. <laughs> it's gone. Well, as much as I'd love to just sit here and wax poetic about this cigar, um, I wouldn't quite say that we're a, a typical critique podcast, so we do have a heck of a lot more uh, content that uh, we're going to get to tonight. Um you know about this one-of-a-kind cigar of the week that we've talked about a little bit, but we also um, are looking forward to more FDA follow-up, um, really with the info we all need to know, uh, which we'll get into in the news in just a little bit. But um, some new product, new, <laughs> new products, not nude products, some new products from old and new companies alike, spanning the gamut of both cigars and pipes and uh, Unbandeds being contagious this week during our What Else segment. And finally, we close out the show with emails, emails, and what seems to be more emails. So it should be, uh, this might just be a little bit of an episode to remember here, folks. Lots to discuss, and starting with a hell of a Cigar of the Week. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell I'm infatuated? I can tell. I, uh, I, I hope we have some more turn up. I'm not maybe as optimistic as you. I think this is a one-shot deal for me. Because I got oh, two this That's year. what I was talking about. I gave you one of them, my friend. I uh, And that is not lost on me. Um, I'm just saying, that of the how many people were at CFC? 75? Uh, yeah, about 80-some-odd this year, I believe. <clears throat> well, and... There's at least 80 of these floating around, and uh, not everyone's been smoked up, and maybe, just maybe, one of those 80 people will be interested and perhaps be able to find something out about this, and you never know. That's true. You know, it'd be kind of cool if they just made it into the marketplace. Uh, some tells me they wouldn't be able to make very many of these in the marketplace. Yeah, they can do something, though. How about a just... Two boxes of 24. Per year for me. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I guess I don't need any then. Fine. <laughs> I'd share one with you. Mm. Yeah, you I'll just did. <laughs> I'll leave it open-ended if I mean one cigar or one box. <laughs> I'm getting a... Uh, there was a little bakery, a bread bakery, um, right eh, three blocks from my office, and I'd run over there late mornings, early afternoons, and pick up a loaf of bread if I just had a real busy day and wasn't able to actually get lunch somewhere else. And the smell as I would walk in the door of that bakery is where this cigar's at right now. Uh, uh, really, really enjoyable flavor. And I am, I'm over an inch into this cigar already. Hmm. Just over an inch, about an inch and an eighth. Wow. Into it. You're smoking really crazy fast. You're normally behind me. You're I'm only maybe a half inch. I'm I'm gonna try to hold up this cigar so I can catch the my main light source here, my primary light. Can you see how there's that hole in there? Yep. A bit. That's a half an inch deep in here. It's really? Almost the entire depth of my ash. Hmm. <laughs> Make sure <laughs> that eight <laughs> on there. Yeah. Oh, Ah, uh, mm. I just got. I think warning. you need to do the rest of the show here. I just got the warning from our host provider that they had restricted us. Yeah, you guys are late to the party. Come on. Uh, well, what do you say we jump into the news here? If you don't have any other pressing uh, personal or uh, cigar-related items you want to open us with. Nah, I'm in good shape. Let's see what we got. Cool. Well, that first industry news item that uh, we got here is what I was talking about with that FDA follow-up, that really the information that we all need to know. If you want to break it down and you don't necessarily need to know all the specifics of uh, um, the deeming document from the FDA, Blind Man's Puff put together, you use the term a fantastic article, and I agree 100%. Um, and it details how to submit your comments concerning what we talked about with that deeming document last week, how to submit those directly to the FDA. I think that is, that's just about, you know, if you're going to break it down, Half Wheel's summary of or summation of the whole document was excellent. For those of us who really want to get into the nitty-gritty, Blind Man's Puff has taken it to the next level and said, all right, guys, if you want to know what you can do, this is how you do it. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job of putting that together and really going step by step and you know what you got to click, where you got to go, and what it all means. And <clears throat> and uh, I'll include a link to that in the show summary this week, uh, so folks can follow that for those that haven't yet uh, gotten their comments in. Uh, if you're having maybe a little uh, trepidation about going out and trying to figure out what the government has to say because it's not always easy to read. But uh, this, this is kind of a, a good summation, a good uh, good instruction or a cheat sheet on getting through the process. Mm. Well, there's also, uh, you know, if you've stayed alert over the past week, there's been a lot of cigar news that's kind of come down the pipes uh, related to the FDA. Marvin Schenken just released a big statement today on Cigar Aficionado. Cigar Rights of America's formal response has come out in the last seven days. So there's uh, there's a lot out there. If you're interested in this, just maybe intrigued is a better way of describing it. Um, 
hit the, the internet a little bit. You can find quite a few uh, summations and editorial pieces on this. There's it'll keep you occupied for quite some time. Yeah, exactly. And and <laughs> like we said last week, if you like your cigars, it's kind of drop dead date. You know, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now, and it's finally here, and it's time to speak or keep your mouth shut. Your exactly. Alrighty, what else we got on here? Dun, 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 dun. Something from what has historically been a pipe company and pipe tobacco before they even did cigars, and then a Cuban cigar company, and then a general-owned subsidiary here in the U.S., uh, Dunhill. Uh, general is releasing the first full line addition to the Dunhill uh, lineup of offerings since 2001. And, wow, uh, has it been that long? Yeah, since the first full new line. They, they <coughs> introduced Pardon line me. extensions and that kind of thing, but there were special releases even. But this is this is a whole new boom, a whole new line. Uh, it's called the 1907, um, which was the year that Alfred Dunhill opened his tobacconist shop in London, the first shop. Uh, actually, I think he may have had a little minor shop before that, but that was the first well-known shop that became uh, or led to the worldwide, world-renowned Dunhill that we have today. Um, although they worldwide seem to have a habit of getting away from tobacco and putting that under a rug somewhere. They're more interested in clothing, seems like, these days, but um, I don't really get why this is coming out seven years after the centennial, but eh, not really important to me. Um, it's going to be produced in the Dominican Republic, and it'll be the blend will feature Dominican and Brazilian filler tobaccos, which caught my eye because I'm a, I'm a fan of Brazilian tobacco. I always like to give that a try. I have a Dominican Olor binder. I know you're a big fan of that. Oh, yeah. And a Honduran Olancho wrapper, which I guess will be the same as the CAO OSA, the Olancho San Augustin, or Augustin uh, which was out a couple of years ago. Let's see, we're looking at four sizes, a 45 by 48 Rothschild, a 5 by 52 Robusto, 7 by 49 Churchill, and a box-pressed 6 by 54 Toro. And it's going to retail for, what are we looking at, eight and a quarter to nine dollars a stick, uh, depending on the size, of course. And this this was announced this week, I guess was publicized this week. It's maybe been rumored and talked about a little while longer. Um, but it's going to be uh, right on hills coming out this month, coming out in May. Should start seeing those on the shelves. I think that's interesting. I'm surprised that <clears throat> Dunhill didn't kind of ramp up the the uh, marketing on this, even just the start of the year, I, I I'll tell you what, I didn't hear a darn thing about this until this week. Yeah, same here. Um, maybe it's because it took them seven years to put out a Centennial cigar. Who knows? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> hey, uh, if you're if you're following along at home, I have two new flavors. One off the cigar itself is chili powder. Really unique. Can't remember getting that off a of cigar before. And then I'm doing, uh, I'm catching some of the 
the smoke that I exhale out of my mouth and some of the smoke that's coming off of the foot in this jar here. And the last one, the smoke coming out of my mouth had the room aroma of almost like an English pipe tobacco. And uh, I'm just now uncorking the smoke off the foot. And that is almost like mint chocolate. I I know I, this is getting to be humorous with the flavors I'm describing off this cigar, but if you can think of how an Andy's mint smells, that is almost how the smoke off the foot, the the basic room aroma, if you concentrate it in a jar, smells. Huh. Andy's mint. Don't know that one. <clears throat> uh, you get them if you ever went to Red Lobster in like the '90s. They'd always give you an Andy's mint when you left. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, so think back 20 years ago to a chocolate that you got from a bad restaurant, and then that's exactly what this is. Yeah, hey, let me take a, a just a not really a break, but a quick uh, little announcement here. I see there are still several folks, actually quite a few, over at halfash.com that are still watching the uh, live stream. If you all want to join us and have a chat, you can hop over to the stream that feeds through Cigar Federation every week. And we don't have a chat room on that page, but the chat for Cigar Federation is up and functioning and has several folks in there. Uh, so if you guys want to join us and maybe contribute a little bit and, and have a little back and forth and make fun of us, as is normally the case, uh, you can hop on over there. It's cigarfederation.com. I believe you need a profile with them to use their chat capability, which is originally why we were using our own. But uh, anyway, we're working. We're here. Well, and to be completely honest, folks, I can't take uh, I can't take credit for anything that had been accomplished, even if it had worked um, with the chat. That has been Kip's baby, and he really has been putting ton of work into things this week so even though it hasn't what as you can see by the brilliant execution (laughs) (laughs) we will be back up and going with the exact same procedure that that we publicized this week and put the word out next week we will have the same software same setup your same username you already created Um, just the plan right now unless something changes is to have the uh, the chat uh, resources kind of offloaded to a, a cloud server. So uh, don't worry, we're not hopefully not throwing too big another curveball at you on the heels of the first curveball. <laughs> hmm. Well, shall we head back to the notes here? Of course. Man, I'm, I, this cigar is not bold in the sense that it's just eating you up with the flavor or certainly not the strength, but but it's just good to me. It's, it's quite enjoyable. I'm really digging it. Mm. My goodness. You can say it's... <clears throat> you can say it's not eating you up, but I could put myself in a dark room with nothing but a little oxygen and this cigar and be occupied for a couple hours and not really be made happier by anything else. Well, if you and you and the cigar are both eating up oxygen, you may not last a couple of hours. Well, that's why I said I need some oxygen. You smart <laughs> Alec. <laughs> All right, what else we got here tonight? 
Oh, we got a a new-ish, a new Vitola anyway from 1502. I really enjoy their cigars. They're one of the uh, House of Emilio brands. <clears throat> and um, they're putting out a Lancero in their Emerald line. I reviewed the Emerald way back in the day when they very first came out, and I believe even before they were a part of the House of Emilio. And... Um, Really enjoyed it. Uh, the Emerald and the Ruby, I kind of go back and forth on which line I enjoy more. Um, but uh, the Emerald is definitely a, a good one to try, and, and to have it in a Lancero sounds good to me. Um, I didn't catch a whole lot of information from the press release. I, I actually got a little worked up that doesn't bear discussion here, but the <laughs> press release, uh, it didn't give pricing no availability date. I think those things are out there now. Um, don't believe it even had a picture in it. But if you follow Enrique, um, he'll uh, he's posting some pictures up. But uh, anyway, it's on the way soon. Yeah, yeah. At some point, maybe for a little bit of money, it's going to be. Um, but it's coming. Uh, probably going to be pretty good. He does good with that. That. Similar to that size, the Coronas he's put out, the Black Gold, uh, Lancero-ish size. They're all really good cigars. I'm looking forward to it. I, I I can't wait to give them a try. And this is actually one of a string of new Lanceros in the past couple of weeks, which is exciting to me to see something that's not 60 plus ring gauge for for a chain. Well, I gotta say I'm <clears throat> I am all about the smaller rings, and so anytime I see this. Albeit late and yeah, uh, <laughs> eh, never mind. It just makes me happy. How's that? I'll leave it there. Oh, with it. Since we're on the topics of Lanceros, uh, Drew Estate and Willie Herrera are putting out a Lancero version of the Herrera Estelle, which sounds pretty cool to me. I, I, I like that blend. It's not absolutely my favorite in the world because the uh, Spice in it can be a little bit astringent at times, uh, but it's you know it's an enjoyable cigar. Um, this one did give a little bit of information. It's a, of course seven by thirty-eight Lancero, only going to be a total production of two thousand in fifteen count boxes, and so um, no, I'm sorry, two thousand boxes of fifteen. Uh, MSRP is about twelve dollars a stick. Um, Going to be 180 a box, of course. The blend, which is going to be the exact same generically as the uh, the typical Herrera Esteli blend, is going to have an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, uh, Honduran binder, and Nicaraguan filler. And uh, these will be out really soon, like really soon. I think they may already be shipping. And uh, I got a couple of these to try this week, so I'm going to give them a whirl and see uh, see what I think about them. Well, I uh, I have never been a huge fan of that uh, of that blend, and um, <clears throat> I can't necessarily say if I've given it you know uh, enough attempts. But I think three or four different times, I just have not lined up with uh, uh, with this well with these cigars really. And I know um, I know it's. It's probably just the style of this cigar, rather than uh, me not lining up with the blender, because I've had a lot of success in the past. But 
Um, I'll be interested to see if this Lancero does anything. I, since I am such a small ring gauge lover, uh, I truly believe that you get um, an honest interpretation of what the blend is. Probably the most honest interpretation once you get down between 38 and 42. And uh, so hopefully when it's not slightly watered down, and I don't mean that derogatorily, um, it'll be just refined enough and just uh, precise enough for me to get some enjoyment out of it. So I'll definitely pick some of these up, I think, even yeah. at the price. Yeah. yeah I, uh, like I said, i got a couple of them. I'm going to give them a try, see if they uh, warrant further investment. I wonder, you know, this is a total... Uh, sidebar here, but I wonder if more people are going to be releasing slightly expensive cigars just to curtail any uh, thought of it not being premium from the FDA. Mm. I don't know. I hope not. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was just an instantaneous thing, and I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, the, the thought had crossed my mind. I was just kind of trying to ignore it and put it in the back of my head for now. Because my worrying's not going to change anything. All I can do is put my comments in and ask everybody else to do the same. Hmm. Well, can I uh, talk a little bit about number five here? You mind if I take this? I hope you do, because I don't know much more than what the uh, notes have. Oh, I don't know much more either, other than my uh, <clears throat> 2014 fanboy love for all things <laughs> Luis Sanchez. Your bromance. <laughs> My bromance with Luis Sanchez's cigars. Well, folks, he uh, he is at it again. He's got a new edition coming out, which uh, this isn't exactly breaking news. It's been uh, out and about for a little while here, but the Reserva Familiar in both his Cebor Cubana and his La Tradicion Cubana lines uh, will be released coming up here. And uh, he describes it, and I quote, as a more full-bodied version of the Cebor Cubana and it's been aging some time now, and the same can be said for the La Tradicion Cubana. So that that's intriguing to me, because I love that La Tradicion blend. Love it. Um, since you turned me on to that kip late fall last year, I just can't get enough of them. Um, if I had more of a cigar budget, I would make that. It would get a steady proportion of that budget regularly. And to come out with something that's a little bit ballsier, a little bit uh, heftier, let's say, of the LTC is intriguing. I love the flavor so much, so if I can get a, a light and a medium or stronger version of that would be, oh, ethereal. And the Sabor Cubana, I, I, uh, I think, quite frankly, I've just met my match with the LTC that I haven't really ventured in the Sabor Cubana as much as it probably deserves. It's uh, very similar to the same as the LTC. It just has a Maduro wrapper. It's kind of funny. I uh, I just feel satisfied by <laughs> by his La Tradition line. That, uh, yeah. I don't know. Why branch out? <laughs> Luis Sanchez, I'm sure, does well enough for himself with cigars, but if he ever wanted to sell those trademarks, he could make a killing. <laughs> he has a trademark for Cuban tradition and Cuban flavor. <laughs> I wonder how long he's held those. Since the 90s. I don't think he even opened up his first factory till 95. Good for him. Hmm. 
I know he's had some serious offers on La Tradición Cubana, but he's not interested in selling. Boy, it would have to be a it would have to be a stupid silly offer, I imagine. Yeah. I had a yeah. conversation with a a guy. He actually had a foundation crack. Uh, man, I am a rat hole city tonight. Um, he had a foundation crack. It was a home that we had built uh, years back, and we went over as a courtesy to check it out and see if we could fix it for him. And got to chatting with the guy, and on multiple occasions, he was always home. And so we're like, Bill, what are you what are you doing here? Why are you always here? You don't have to be around when we're here. And he's like, Oh no, I'm retired. This guy's 51, 52, um, as active and as smart as you can be. And uh, we're like, You're retired. Why in the world did you ever retire? You loved what you did. And he said, Well, I never wanted to, but uh, well, I won't say the company, but so and so came in and. They made me an offer, and I realized that if I worked for the next 40 years, there was no chance I would ever make that amount of money. So I said, well, <laughs> that's stupid, silly. Okay, do you mind if I work around here for free? Yeah. And, I... and, and they said, oh, all right, you can stick around and be a consultant. And so he just comes in, makes coffee, talks, stays with things. If he doesn't want to go in, he doesn't have to. It's unbelievable. Cool. It's uh, um... one of those perfect settings. I'm going to zone out for just about 30 seconds on you if you can maybe take one of the other uh, news items and I'll be right back. No problem at all. I will uh I will save uh our next item here for Kip when he comes back. I think that's a little more in his wheelhouse, but I will gladly talk about uh our final item that's in the notes which uh, some of our longtime listeners will Remember that last year we talked a little bit about Alex Goldman, the head of Swisher's Premium Cigar Division. And if you do remember, you'll recall that uh, Alex was being investigated, and uh, we found that out just a matter of days, I believe, after news broke and information came out of Swisher's emergence um, into the premium cigar market. Well, Mr. Goldman... uh, has uh, definitely been his investigation has definitely taken a turn for the worse in terms of his well-being and that has certainly come to a head he has come to a concession agreement with the ATF and they have see, seized and I quote 7 million dollars in cash a Ferrari a Porsche an Audi 38 pieces of expensive jewelry and art including three works by Jean Miro uh, agents also seized $5 million in funds related to a loan between the House of Oxford and another major cigar company, Drew Estate. The documents don't say what the loan was for or if Drew Estate had any involvement in House of Oxford's criminal activity, but man, oh man, this is uh, this is quite the conclusion to something that we were intrigued by last year. Not only were, I believe, Kip and I both, uh, and I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but I think that I recall him having some apprehension about uh, Swisher's emergence uh, in, in terms of the premium market, but, uh, boy, this will uh, dampen your evening slightly, I would imagine, but uh, you yeah. don't screw with the government, I think. Yeah, we knew he was under investigation a year ago when they did something similar where they seized it and gave it back, I think, but uh, according to the report, he signed a settlement agreement agreement with them this time and turned all this over 
um, to to the ATF. But I understand he was accused of importing cigars into California without paying taxes. Essentially, he was bringing them into the state, and rather than selling to a wholesaler who would pay the tax and then further sell it to a retailer, he was shortcutting the system and going directly to the retailer and selling it at untaxed prices uh, through the wholesaler. It's interesting to me to hear Drew Estate having been brought into this um, and just going strictly by that quote, um, it's not, at least I don't take it as a loan from House of Oxford to Drew Estate or vice versa. I think it's very ambiguous uh, other than to state the two parties involved. And uh, that gets my mind racing a little bit. I, I'm curious as to what that could be. Yeah, me too. I, I don't think Drew Estate's implicated in any kind of way or, or knew anything about what was going on. I think they were just part of the the crowd on the sidelines that got caught up in a mess, maybe. And it's silly to think that the government, the ATF, wouldn't uh, at least be aware, geez, in probably the loosest uh, way possible of Drew Estate. They're one of the largest manufacturers in the world of premium cigars, and certainly uh, in America as well. So um, this is two big boys. Swisher is not... Uh, Swisher is not a small company, neither is Drew Estate, so this is pretty intriguing. Yeah, it really is. Um, I guess this is mostly settled, but I'm a little anxious to see what else comes out of it in the, the days to come. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, if I can, before we fully uh, migrate out of the news items here, one thing that I wanted to talk about that isn't in the news, but... I saw yesterday evening and thought it was interesting was that uh, the Reunited Cigar, the compilation or collaboration between Michael Giannotti and uh, Ernesto Perez Carrillo is expected to start hitting stores in the coming weeks. I don't know if you saw this or not, Kip. Yeah, we talked about it a while back. Is it Re plus United? Um, Michael Giannini, I think is his name. Um, we're putting this out, and and it seemed to have been put on delay for just a little bit, put on hold, and then now, poof, suddenly it's it's shipping. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't recall the uh, details about the blend. I just saw this via Facebook uh, just before showtime, so I haven't really investigated it any. Well, it's, uh, it's intriguing to me because these will be distributed by EPC, and um, um, one of my local tobacconists is having an EPC event in the coming weeks, so I uh, I might have to schedule some away time from the family here and make a little bit of a drive to check this out. I'm I'm intrigued by this cigar. Me it, too. You know what it seems like to me, and I have no real reason to think um, that this is going to. Uh, uh, what do I want to say? I have no real reason to think that this is going to be um, in my wheelhouse. I think that Michael and Ernie getting back together might be a blend that's eh, perhaps not suited to me personally, but I think this is a passion project, and that to me is where my intrigue is. I, I think that um, anytime, you, anytime you can kind of reinvigorate 
uh, a, a brilliant cigar mind, I think that it's probably going to yield a, a damn good result, and I'm going to guess that's what this will be. I hope so. Uh, I can't wait to try it myself. Mm. Mm-mm. If I pick some of those up, I'll throw you a, a few. You throw me a bone? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, sorry for the distraction there. I am uh, jumping over to turn that chat thing off. It's still causing all kinds of trouble now. Uh-oh. I, I can... Uh, I can disable it. I just got to get there from here. It takes a bit. Anywho, our next story is one that just came out this afternoon. And uh, a press release came from Drew Estate that they are now going to be the uh, exclusive U.S. distributor of two gay pipes. And I actually can't wait to see all of the various mispronunciations of two gay. You want, you want to know it's funny? Half the reason why I didn't cover that story was because I knew I'd butcher the name. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I think it's huge, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try it. It's too gay, and that that family has they've been making cigar-related accessories, pipes for about dang near a century at this point, I suppose. Um, maybe just over, but the historically the family were sword makers in Japan and they got into pipes I don't know decades ago at this point originally they were making like cigarette holders and souvenir things in Japan and then that morphed into really high end pipes and they have a wide range of offerings today from really inexpensive kind of get you into the hobby starter pipes up to very expensive pieces of art that you don't even want to smoke, although they're entirely smokable. Um, and, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see this for a couple of reasons. And, you know, I want to see some growth in the pipe market, which has been in decline for decades now since the early 70s. And we've had a little bit of a, a little couple of blips in the past few years, but I think much of that's accountable to the reclassification of tobaccos where people started calling roll your own tobacco pipe tobacco and it's not necessarily what it is. Um, so I want to see a little bit more growth there and I, I love seeing Drew Estate get a little more involved. You know, they put out some pipe blends last year and um, so it's kind of cool to me. I, I'm excited. These are these are good solid pipes no matter which of their price points you go for. Um this actually, I'm, I'm looking at the press release now, says the company was started in 1936. It was actually, as a side company, running long before that. Um, and they, for centuries, made the swords, of course. Um, I guess the market for swords kind of declined 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, the advent of the firearm probably didn't help very much. <laughs> Maybe. In Japan, there were still a few swords around, but I'm guessing even there, it had pretty much tapered off by the 20th century. But I, I love it. I'm excited. This one, this is the most exciting press release I saw all week uh, for that reason, because I'm a pipe guy. I love pipes, smoke a pipe still on occasion, although not nearly as much as I once did. Um, I imagine once we make this move, I'll be more a pipe smoker than I have been in several years, just for the uh, ease, the portability of moving my 
pipe tobacco stash down there and the and the the fact that you if you don't have two hours to dedicate to a smoke a pipe's your friend because you can put it down and relight it later without any foul tastes mm. all these a benefit the cost to smoke it a benefit the oh, right. uh, the the quality of vintage tobaccos and the availability of vintage tobaccos for you particularly is yeah. a hell of a benefit. Well, you you can get into really vintage stuff or highly collectible stuff that is insanely as as easily as expensive as as a really nice cigar per bowl. But if you're buying modern current production, even the best most boutique lines of tobacco run you eight or ten bucks for a tin, and that tin's going to be good for fifteen or seventeen bowls, and each bowl being an hour to an hour and a half. And you know you can't get a box of cigars for ten bucks these days. <laughs> if you can, I'm not especially interested for the most part. But and but that is premium pipe tobacco for for pennies on the dollar compared to cigars. Hmm. So well, uh, I, the uh, distribution's going to start this summer at IPCPR. They'll be marketing the pipes there. I imagine in the Drew Estate booth. Or at least adjacently. Um, two gays, like I said, it's not a new name. I was actually a little bit surprised that Drew Estate got this um, because uh, Laudacy Enterprises, better known as SmokingPipes.com, usually has a corner on this kind of thing. They they import a number of other pipe makers' pipes exclusively, and they have an excellent relationship with Zugay. So I was really surprised when this came out, and it wasn't them. Well, one would imagine this was a business decision uh, that involved <laughs> that involved a hell of a financial uh, investment. It would make a lot of sense that um, that perhaps there was some financial uh, front end. Yeah, yeah, there's got to be, uh, or at least maybe you know, Tsuge saw Drew Estate size and not just their size, but their growth and their ability to reach people. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. Yeah. Mm. There were there was a time less than ten years ago, within the past decade, um, there's historically been a focus on English pipe makers and Danish pipe makers. England and Denmark had legendary pipe carvers. Germany and Austria also had their share over the years. And then within the past 10 years, there's been a, a big focus on American makers. Uh, my favorite two are Mark, they're actually related to each other, not, not biologically, but Mark Tinsky, who lives in Boondoggle, Montana, with the glaciers up there making pipes. And then Rad Davis, um, who spends half his, years, half his year in Montana uh, fly fishing, and the other half, I believe, in Alabama. Um, but anyway, those two guys are excellent pipe carvers here in the U.S., and, and there's a whole host of them now. Um, and they've come on strong, but the Japanese have just taken uh, their a little bit of focus and turned it into a huge market for them. They, the, the Japanese carvers took what was being done and made it into to artwork. You know, you can look at some of their really high-end offerings, and they're they're just incredible. Just just Beautiful, beautiful pipes, and when they did that, they got a lot of attention, 
and the prices skyrocketed. There were Japanese pipes were just standard old rosewood pipes for many years, and then once they started with briar, which is a typical material, and started making it something that was beautiful and not just a smoking instrument, uh, you know, it kind of it was the sky was the limit, and now. There are Japanese carvers just commanding a couple grand for a pipe these days. Wow. I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not someone who's educated much on Japanese craftsmanship. I, I'm aware of it. I have a sister who <clears throat> minored in Japanese history or something along those lines in college and still to this day has a, a strong affinity for things like sake or Japanese whiskeys. Um, and, and it seems as if there's a, there's quite the um, quite the ability to just rock an industry when it comes from Japan. I don't know. I, I, it, I don't know if it's just me or what, but um, holy hell, it seems like everything they put their mind to, they're going to blow it out of the water and do it well. I'd agree with that, uh, it, and it's it's passion. You always said you have a passion for passion, and I don't think the Japanese are necessarily any better than anybody else at any given thing. It's just that they don't try to be the best at everything. They they pick, you know, like the group of carvers in Japan. This this family, this guy, I'm trying to recall. I think in the late 60s, he went to Denmark and studied under. Uh, one of the Iversons, maybe Lars Iverson, who was a, a, a an epic, legendary Grand Poobah pipe maker. When you talk about pipes, that guy's name's going to come up. And he studied under him kind of in the traditional, um, oh, when you take on somebody, what is that called? Uh, apprenticeship. Yeah, in, in typical master and apprentice relationship and took that back to Japan with him. And now he has guys that are his apprentices that have come up underneath him. And Well, the old man died, I think, 2010 or so. Um, but, you know, and, and so they didn't go blaze a new trail. They took what everybody else was doing and synthesized that into their own style of pot making. And it's, it's blossomed beautifully. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I think this is just yet another feather for the cap of uh, <laughs> of us needing to do a pipe-centric show. I agree. One I don't know days. why we keep putting it off. Oh, well, maybe it's because I don't have a pipe any longer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get around to it. No, no, that has nothing to do with you. That has something to do with me being a slacker. <laughs> going to rely on you being a slacker as a reason why I can't do something right. Yeah, but it helps. What are you doing? Trying to fix our chat room or something? Huh? I I was actually, but I'm done now. I yeah. Well, I saw how that worked. I killed the whole thing. <laughs> Disabled the whole plugin. Uh, I got to get around to doing that. I think I'm the one who's holding this up. Sorry about that. Well, I may start posting some reviews of pot blends. It's kind of a strange thing, but. It's funny, I see pockets of interest in, in it wherever I go, well, you know, Facebook or Twitter or in person, people you encounter in cigar shops. And, uh, and you will occasionally meet somebody who's really into it the way I used to be into it and, and get into it you know, and can chat for hours about pipes. 
but there's almost invariably, you go sit down in the cigar shop with a handful of guys in it, somebody in that group has either tried pipe smoking or thinking about it. And of those that have tried, the large percent, percentage of them have been misguided. And I think that's where we can uh, make a dent in the education of folks who want to try it because they just simply get bad advice. They, you know, they're sold what is normally sold over the counter in tobacconist shops. And I'm a big fan of tobacconist shops. I love brick and mortars. I love going down, hanging out, buying from the shops, smoking cigars, the whole everything about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the large, large majority of our tobacconists today don't know much or anything about pipes and tobaccos. And so mm-hmm. they will hand a guy a $20 basket pipe and a couple of ounces of whatever bulk propylene glycol infused aromatic tobacco they got in the jar on the counter and send him on his way. And he ends up with tongue bite. It's too wet. It won't burn. He can't keep it lit, and it's a miserable experience. And he throws it all away and says, "Ah, the pipe smoker is just not for me." When, when had he had a little bit more guidance, he could have could have found something he really enjoyed. I think that probably is what happened to me. I uh, <clears throat> I made my first real emergence into pipe smoking um, shortly after the Lord of the Rings movies came out, and you know, thought it was just as simple as grabbing some tobacco and stuffing it, stuffing it in there, and you're gonna have a great experience, and it'll make everything uh, uh, a better situation. And quite frankly, I just didn't take the time to respect it. You know, it's like smoking a lancero too fast. It's just not gonna yield the result that you want it to yield. Yeah, and, and you know, you can go buy a twenty dollar basket pipe and get a really good one. But your chances of getting that good one are relatively low, and maybe you buy a $50 or $60 uh, Stanwell or maybe even a Peterson here and there, um, or, um, well, those are two that I like, and you can get some really good ones at a good price. And your chances of getting a good one are much, much higher, and, and it's, 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 it's a little all diminishing returns just kind of flipped on its head. You can spend more and get a better pipe or at least have a better chance of it being a better pipe up to a certain level. And where that level's at maybe varies a little bit from time to time, but a couple hundred, two to three hundred bucks, you can get a better and a better and a better, better pipe. And then after that, you're essentially paying for a name or artwork. Um, But under that level, it makes a big difference. A $20 pipe and a $200 pipe most of the time will smoke radically different. But a $200 pipe and a $1,500 pipe may not smoke that differently. The more expensive one's going to look a little better and maybe have a little more handwork in it rather than being completely machine-made. But I think there are some differences to be found. And you know, we, we, we really do need to do that show and just talk about what makes a good pipe that you can guess before buying the drilling. I'd love to know that. The, you know, the drilling, the, the multiple sets of boring in a pipe make a huge difference. The stem fit, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. But we don't need to have to go into detail about what we're going to do. We're doing something right now. What we got lined up tonight? Oh, man. We got a cigar that uh, I have to work to participate on this show. I'm enjoying it so much. 
It's crazy. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I am. Uh, I'm trying to be optimistic that there's a chance to encounter this again, but I'm really digging it. A lot. I'd pay fifty bucks for this cigar. Really. I would pay fifty bucks for this cigar at a drop of a hat. <laughs> I know there's at least one guy in the chat room tonight that has one left. <laughs> I know, and I'm hoping that he hears this. <laughs> I'd pay fifty bucks or give him. Oh, actually, and his wife went. He's got two of them. Holy hell! Email me. <laughs> you know who you are. I'd pay fifty bucks. Discontinued cigars. Uh, many, many times higher than $50 value for cigars uh, for another one of these. Wow. Mm. There you have it, Nick. I think he wasn't... Yeah, he's still in there. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Kip, if you offer $60, I'm going to kick you in the shins. No, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to go with the memory and Hope to encounter them again. There are a number of other cigars in the pack this year that uh, <laughs> Nick just said it's about half gone at this point. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I suppose he's got his lit tonight, too. Well, the offer doesn't stand $25 for half of it. Yeah, send him the ashes, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I didn't specify in what state the cigar needed to be in. Uh, well, what do you say? You want to jump into what else we've been smoking? You've uh, yeah. you've got some limited stuff here, limited entries. Yeah, like no entries. Yeah. What have you been smoking? Hmm. Well, I fell in love with uh, with our unbanded cigar last week, and just what, how much I dig smoking a cigar and not knowing what the hell it is. Um, just letting a cigar be a cigar. Well, that's a good so, thing for tonight, then, huh? Well, yeah. Um, I, I've got a, a, I don't know, a Tupperware bin in my uh, in my cabinet that it's just random cigars, the, the remnants from cabinets or, um, you know, old school cabinets that didn't have bands on the cigars when they came out or unbanded sticks from the old dog watch days or things that, that people have given me that, you know, didn't have bands or I don't remember what they are or it got mixed up or whatever it may have been. So probably 30, 40 cigars. And every once in a while I just reach in there and grab something if I'm looking for a companion. Well, it, it turns out that a couple of the cigars I've reached for this week were a similar situation to this, uh, this Fuente tonight where I just found that it was extremely difficult for them to be the the understory. Understory? No, that's not right. Understudy. That's what I want to say. That gotcha. it, it was difficult for them to be the understudy for what I was doing um, and to not be the star of the show. So I, I know on one occasion I just decided, you know what? I turned the TV off and I just smoked a cigar. It was... Uh, it's not something I do regularly. I usually don't sit there doing nothing. Um, but man, I I had another one uh, earlier today, and I'll maybe even light it up after we're done with the show. It was just so enjoyable to just get the flavor and not have that preconceived notion of what you expect and whether or not a cigar lives up to it or not. 
let the cigar be itself and uh, let it guide you as to how the experience is going to go rather than the other way around. Cool. And so that's what I've done on uh, two, three occasions this week. Nice. Yeah. Well, I know you've smoked something this week. You had to have. I smoked a few things, but like I mentioned before the show started, not really anything out of the ordinary. Um, in fact, most of what I'm looking at here at the top of the old bag is pretty pretty routine stuff or stuff that I've talked about a lot in the past couple of months. I don't see anything new. I did have an angel share this week. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. Still here. I see those. Um, and this was this year's angel share. And... The difference being, and this, if you can see in the video there, this secondary band, and it's not one to focus on it, but you can see there's a little white spot on there. That white spot is a little dove. And uh, this year on the um, this secondary band, that dove is white, and it was not white in the past when they first put these out through the CFC. Uh, Interesting. When, when they made it to the shelves, that dove was white, and the background color of the... Um, the band itself was a little different than before, but it was good. It, it was uh, it was not as good as what we're smoking tonight. It, it probably would have been to many people. It was a little stronger, although not overpowering. A little nutty. Actually, was was like I've described it before as a kinder, gentler kind of opus. It was similar to op- opus in flavor, but not nearly as. Uh, as potent uh, in terms of nicotine. You know, speaking of opus, sorry, I think I cut you off there. What were you going to say? No, go ahead. Speaking of opus, um, this this cigar we were having tonight, I put something in the initial notes. I thought that the wrapper might be an opus wrapper, and I wanted to get your opinion on that. It looks very much like it. It's really, really silky to the touch. There's not really any any tooth to it. I'm trying to hold it in the light and kind of look at it. Uh, it has really similar coloration. People talk about it being red. It doesn't come off that red to me. Although if I think real hard and, and put it up against some wood finishes, that you can see some red in it that way, which makes no sense if you've never worked in a furniture factory. <laughs> there is some red there, but you would never look at that cigar and say, oh, it looks kind of red. But, um but if you put it against a neutral tone wood, you you can see some redness in it. But yeah, I I would just about agree with that. I don't see anything that says it's not an opus wrapper, but there's nothing that says for me absolutely that's what it is. Well, just knowing that this is probably a special cigar, knowing that this is um, without question. <clears throat> Something that does not have the Cameroon flavors of, uh, oh. well, a Hemingway, um, being that this is that Vitola, or at least we think it's that Vitola. I, I, um, I just wouldn't be surprised if it was that Fuente wrapper. Or, it, I'm sorry, it, that Opus wrapper. It's not a Hemingway wrapper. I can, I'm 99% certain of that. It certainly does not look like it in the slightest bit either, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it doesn't look like it, doesn't taste like it, doesn't feel yeah. like it. I'm leaving wow. 1% in there because I've been wrong 
once before, but no, I think I don't think it's a I don't think it's the Hemingway Cameroon. Well, I am uh, taking the wrapper off of this. The half. How, fra- how fragile is it? Uh, not. That's another thing. The Cameroon wrapper they put on the Hemingway Don Carlos is so fragile. I mean, you you would be hard pressed to get it off there without it just falling apart in the process. Well, you can see I've got a pretty sharp line at the base of that where I just took a knife and scored it and then uh, was able to peel it off. It's thin. It's not incredibly thin. Um, It does have some uh, veining that has some thickness to it, but the capillary veins uh, have next to no texture whatsoever. Um, It does have some variation in transparency, which is interesting. I don't usually see that in a lot of uh, shade-grown wrappers. I wonder if this is sun-grown. I wonder if this isn't the Opus wrapper, if this is something else. Hmm. I don't know. It, uh, nothing else comes to mind that they typically use that looks like this. It is a little dry. I mean, if, I, if somebody gave me this and told me it was an Opus unbanded, I'd probably believe them, but it, maybe it's not quite as silky as normal Opus. Could it be an older Opus wrapper? Could be. It is... It actually looks like it's been rolled for a while. It doesn't look like new roll because the wrapper has really sunk down into every nook and cranny. Yeah, that's a very good point. The head of my cigar has that most certainly. Well, the first inch and a half, I'll say. Hmm. I think I'm going to light this and smoke the little nub of wrapper that I've got here. You know, well, after nope. after we got through that initial little trouble with the nipple, uh, this the burn line on this thing's just been dead perfect the rest of the time. Yeah, mine has as well. I mean, I've got no wrapper on there, and you can see that it's still, you know, not an issue whatsoever. This is going to sound awful, but I can see it. It's bulging out since you took the wrapper off. Oh, it definitely is. It always does. Taking yeah. the wrapper off is, without question, the easiest way to solve a plug or a tight draw. Yeah. The heat expands itself, always. Let me see if I can do this. Hmm. No, don't think I'm going to get enough heat off of this. Maybe I'll just hold it here for a bit. Oh, well. No, maybe. <laughs> for those of you who are... Not watching this, I'm trying to light this this wrapper off the uh, foot of yeah, this, this cigar. Quality audio. Ah, don't give me a hard time, old man. Never. Well, what do you say? You want to? Uh... Oh, I forgot. I added something into the notes here that we uh, didn't really talk about prior to. Oh yeah, I, I missed it. I um. I have something just after the cigars that we smoked, what else we've been smoking, that has kind of intrigued me. And um, this cigar especially, considering the fact that I do not think that it is fresh, um, uh, kind of stoked the flames a little bit here. I, I want to talk a little bit about aging tobacco and predicting the legs of uh, of whether a cigar can age or will age or not. Um, and I'm interested to hear if you have any theories on this. 
No. Or any maybe theories isn't the right word. Any uh, anything you'll take to the bank, uh, proverbially about whether or not you know when smoking a cigar, if something is distribu- is displayed, you think that it will be uh, a stick you can lay down. Besides the obvious, strong cigar, uh, tastes youthful, so on and so forth. Um, I, I carry a couple of minor things that really probably don't apply to this conversation at all, but I'll throw them out there. Um, <laughs> if in, in pipes and pipe tobacco, if you like a blend and you leave it, buy a tin and set it aside and forget about it. It will turn into something that you really like after six months, and increasingly so for a year, five years even. And then maybe from five years to ten, it's not much of a change. But if you don't like the blend on day one and you put it aside and forget about it, it's not going to make it a blend you like. And it's not – it's – it's just that you don't like that blend. Don't think that there's this cigar that's really crappy and it's really strong, but I'm going to put it aside and it's magically going to turn into a cigar that I love in a year. And and that's not going to happen. It may make it a little more palatable, but if, if you don't like it on day one, don't buy ten boxes and think they're going to be better. Mm. Um, I think you, you have to at least have some appreciation for it on day one in order for it to turn into something special. But as far as what I'm looking for and something to put away, uh, I'm I am looking for something that will, in terms of its strength, that'll hold up to it and will not be over the hill or or taste watered down in a year or five years or ten years. Uh, definitely looking for that. But I'm also looking for, in addition to that strength, I think it has to have some kind of backbone and and whatever flavors you like, and it can't just be pepper. It can't just be uh, strength, no matter what the flavor is. I think it has to have, for me, I like if something's going to be super peppery, I like it to have a little um, something to complement that pepper, something sweet maybe, you know, or, or whatever your preferred flavor is, whether it's your years and Dale's dusty cocoa or whatever. <laughs> it has to have so- something that's going to be the uh, the 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 marquee flavor after the strength is kind of brought down a notch and mellowed a little bit. We we smoked a cigar. You know, I guess I should just go look at our uh, um, our cigar of the week schedule. But we smoked a cigar a few weeks back, and it's eluding me what in the world it was. But it had oh gosh, no, it wasn't our cigar of the week. It was that uh, 2008. Um, La Verite that uh, mm. I had uh, as a cigar what else I was smoking um, cigar that stick exhibited something that I get in very few cigars um, probably a half dozen yeah a half dozen or so in all the time that I've smoked and that is this I, I don't want to say um, avoid but it's almost one of those sensations that you get when smoking a cigar that makes you think that the flavor just stopped. You know, I talked early on about the 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 finish of this Fuente being, you know, miles long. It just kept going and going and going. Well, at times when I have a cigar that is brimming with flavor, but then that flavor 
stops. It hits a brick wall when I exhale it or after it's sat in my mouth for a little bit. Um, that to me is a huge example of a cigar that can, um, that can sit, that can age, that who the hell knows? I mean, that might be able to, you might be able to enjoy for decades. Um, and, and that's not a really common thing. I, I really can only think of, uh, that La Verte when it comes to non-Cuban cigars that I've experienced that with. But, um, another that we've had here on the show is early on that, um, El Rey del Mundo Tainos, that's a cigar that had that for me um, initially. Those cigars, I think, were from 2001 or 98, something like that. And initially, when I smoked those, they were flavorful, um, honey and tea and uh, just a, a nice herbaceousness. But then 10 years later or 12 years later, when we had it here on the show and, we started, and I started smoking those again, that that flavor was present, but it was slightly elongated. There was more to it. It was richer. There was more depth. And so 12 years ago, when I knew that that flavor was there, but it stopped, that was that perfect kind of uh, um, window into the future, that that flavor is going to continue going. The more that cigar or that tobacco um, uh, matures, the more it's going to reveal to you. And there's some some chemistry behind it that I don't understand, but I know that it comes down to how you're able to perceive flavor um, chemically on your palate. If it's a chain molecule or chain tannin that's too long for you to even be able to detect scientifically, the human palate can't detect it. Once it breaks down and continues to become a, a more simpler compound, you can start to get some of those flavonoids and um, if that's there's very few times when that's perceptible, but when it is, holy good gracious, um, you're rewarded with a cigar like this. Uh, boy, I'd say years ago this one was was enjoyable, but it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be a, a <laughs> wasn't going to shake you out of your boots. And whereas today I feel like this this does. You know, does that does that make sense? I, I don't know if I'm. It does. It's probably a little over my head. I just like cigars. Oh, jeez. You're <laughs> going to pull one of those. <laughs> I'm not pulling anything. You, you're just a little deeper than I am when it comes to cigars. <laughs> I'm a little deeper than it, but just about everybody when it comes to anything. <laughs> Good gracious. A McDonald's cheeseburger I could talk about for ten minutes. <laughs> okay. I'm not I letting him. I let this cigar go out, so I'm going to gingerly relight it here. Oh, you've screwed up the whole thing now. I know. You're done. It's shot. It's going to taste awful. Disgusting. I wouldn't even bother. <laughs> All right. Let's see how this goes. Well, how about we talk about a couple of emails before we wrap up? Yeah, heck yeah. This first one's got some recollection to something we talked about earlier. You want to get into that? Yeah. This is from Ken H. We'll just use the last initial to protect the identity of the guilty. <laughs> hey, my friend, I was just wondering, or no, I was just listening to the download of your last show, and I thought you'd be interested that New Hampshire defined cigars. And we were talking about FDA and how they uh, uh, were looking to define what premium cigars are. And 
he says they, um, they being New Hampshire, has actually already codified what a premium cigar is. They, uh, they did this to define within the tax law because premium cigars, of course, are not uh, taxed. He says not taxed. I believe they, I believe New Hampshire does tax, but it's at a different, different, uh, different stage in the process. I think Florida and Pennsylvania are the only two states left that have no tax whatsoever on cigars. Anyway, this is from just section 11. I'm not sure the name or number of the law, but. Premium cigars means cigars which are made entirely by hand of all natural tobacco leaf, hand constructed and hand wrapped, wholesaling for two dollars or more and weighing more than three pounds per thousand cigars. Uh, these cigars shall be kept in a humidor at the proper humidity. He says, "There it is, verbatim." Um, and I guess that's as good a definition as any. It's certainly better than the uh, what's on the table right now with FDA. Uh, the main difference is being a $10 retail price point with the FDA and that their weight specification is 6 pounds per thousand, which is really high and would eliminate some of the smaller Vitolas like a Petit Corona or Petit Robusto. Um, it would just put those out as unqualified. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's as good a definition as any. But, um, you know, it's kind of hard to iron this out as a whole. Um, so I don't know how likely it is this could be carried out in, at a federal level or put in place, but uh, you know it's certainly a step up from what's on the table right now. Well, to me, it's uh, this is most interesting in that this is uh, I'll break it down to as uh, probably even too simple of a um, uh, of a um, breakdown here, but at least it. You know, it's how I think of it. Um, the legal system in the United States is, gosh, it's it's largely based on precedence. Yes. And if all of a sudden there's a precedence that's been set that has been working um, on a statewide level that that a premium cigar has a definition, um, to me that's that's a hell of a starting point. You know, I, I would assume that uh, the CRA probably is going to want to massage this or perhaps even request a little bit less stringent of a requirement. But um, I would think that if this was where we ended as a as a resolution, as a compromise, I would be pretty happy with this. I, I'm not a uh, um, I'm not a huge smoker of sandwich or short fill cigars, so um, I wouldn't be fighting for for their uh, sake necessarily, but this stating that made entirely by hand of all natural tobacco leaf, um, that should be a premium cigar. A, a sandwich cigar or a short fill cigar probably isn't premium. Um, and so well, I, I think that this could be, uh, that this could really be a starting point. I think the Cuban sandwich style would still fit underneath that. It doesn't say all long filler. Well, that's true. Uh, that is true. Short True short filter, short filler cigars are mostly machine made, but I think a Cuban sandwich would fit right in there. You know, I don't know enough about it to say for sure, but you're probably right. I can't imagine. Gosh, I wonder. You know, would Lieberman machine uh, weigh in here? Lieberman bunching machine? Well, uh, I think this definition would disqualify that because it says hand constructed and hand wrapped. 
Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Tobacconist University makes a differentiation between hand-rolled and handmade. Handmade is completely handmade. Every you know, filler, binder, everything bunched and rolled by hand. Hand rolled may be machine bunched and then you know have the have the outsides wrapped around it. Hmm. Well, either way, this uh, this to me is an awful realistic starting point, and you know, a cigar wholesaling for two dollars. Retailing in that four dollar range, that gets some of your real low end, real high quality um, hand rolled cigars. That fits those in there. It doesn't leave out the you know the Padron Thousand series, which is immediately one of the the first low priced, high quality um, cigars that I can think of. So I don't know. I uh, I'm very happy with this. Mm-hmm. I am too. I mean, it, it would. Probably uh, leave a, a mark on the guys that are used to buying the really inexpensive bundles through an internet e-tailer like Cigars International or something. But overall, I think that's as good a definition as we have to work with today. You know, I wonder if um, we're going to see some sort of provisions for uh, how weight is calculated. Um <clears throat> you know, that it would be cigars at a certain moisture saturation level. Uh, I think I, we'd have to. Yeah, I would imagine you would have to as well. I, I Gosh, I don't know what the heck you would do if somebody all of a sudden is uh, drying or oversaturating their cigars to fit into this. Yeah, like some of those European market cigars that are kept very dry. That's dry cured. What's yeah. that? Dutch dry cured or Indonesian tobacco. Yep. Mm-hmm. The BDs. Hmm. Yeah, actually. BDs, absolutely. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that uh, this is a listener coming through in the clutch and talking to us about how uh, a state has already uh, defined a premium cigar. So thanks, Ken. That's uh, exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, what else we got here from Justin M. He said, I enjoy the show and listen to you guys weekly. I noticed that you both reference measuring cigars, both before you smoke it and as you are smoking it. For example, you mentioned having about two inches left, etc. Are you just using a ruler, or do you have a specific device or tool or template you printed out or bought? It would be nice to have something to reference against ring gauge and length. Well, we both have tools, mine being a uh, nearly disposable piece of cardboard that is so worn out it's probably unreliable at this point. If you are looking at the video on YouTube or, or here live tonight, and uh, the live folks, there's few and far between tonight after our fiasco, but uh, this is just a piece of cardboard. It has these circles drawn on it. You can lay the foot of a cigar onto the circle and find the one that best fits to, to kind of estimate the ring. And then it has a ruler down the edge uh, to measure the length. Um, I actually have have something in mind that <laughs> through a, a really stray conversation on the patio one evening with, with my wife, kind of concocted this idea for something that would impeccably measure the, the, the ring gauge on a cigar, whether it be round or not. And, but... Not going to put that out there for public just yet. I may have to make a tool. Hmm. 
Well, I uh, I have something similar, although mine does have a pass-through for uh, the cigars, so I can... And at least it's every other ring gauge, uh, <clears throat> but it does have... I've cut mine down to size, so the exact ends of the, the paper itself, or the cardboard, um, is exactly 8 inches, uh, which just about anything I smoke is going to fall within that. Um, and it breaks it down to the quarter inch. Now, I've had this for years, well over a decade. Um, I'd have thought it was from the 90s, but I looked on here. It's from Cigar Aficionado. It actually has Cigar Aficionado's website, so I doubt it is from the 90s. Uh, so probably 10, 15 years old, and I've just kept it with me forever. It uh, does a darn good job. And the fact that it has the pass-throughs for the ring gauge is probably my favorite part of it. I mean, I can... You know, I can truly see, oh, yeah, does that fit a 44? No. Does that fit a 46? You know, and uh, instead of just having to guess visually. Yeah, and if you really want something nice uh, and ready to fork over some cash, uh, there there is one I see in tobacconist's shops regularly hanging on the wall. It's uh, maybe 16 inches long. It's a big tobacco leaf, a wooden tobacco leaf that has mm. bra- brass grommets in it for each ring size, and it works just like the one you have where you have the hole that you put the cigar and to see which one it fits properly. Um, and I have no idea where you would even buy that or how much it would cost, but uh, they're they're cool anyway to see hanging on the wall. At one time, I, uh, <clears throat> I created a CAD document uh, to have a an aluminum ring gauge uh, and ruler tool created. Uh, actually have somebody make that up on a CNC, and I, I should follow through with that. I believe that that was made, but can't say for sure. It uh, it would be something I'd like to have. I know that I had uh, put in a preliminary order and then need to check on where that's at. Hmm. Man, we both got something we could market. <laughs> oh, I can't market it. I uh, It's someone else's idea. I was just helping with it, so... Ah. Alrighty, well, the next email has a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a visual aid that you won't be able to see either in the video or the chat, but I'm going to tell you about it because I'm going to post it up where you can. Uh, Gary Griffith emailed out a chart this week, and in his comments just were, I've prepared a chart attached, which are, which, which, Everyone is free to use, demonstrating why the $10 minimum price point in FDA's deeming document option 2 does not fit the reality of the marketplace. This data is derived from a full year of sales from 26 stores in four states, presumably his stores he manages, uh, across a wide array of both demographics and state tobacco tax rates. Feel free to use it with credit to Gary Griffith of Emilio Cigars, so that if the data is questioned, I can provide the raw numbers. And it's a chart, and I'm going to post this in the forum on halfhash.com. Um, and the, the left-hand column of this chart has the percentage of cigars sold within each price range, and then the x-axis is are, are the prices broken down into dollar denominations. And you can see on the chart that the, the you know maybe not the majority, but the biggest sector certainly is the 6 to $7 range, and that's nearly 20% of the entire sales. And if you uh, see what we're looking at here, 33, 
355. A good two-thirds of the cigars, total cigar sales in those 26 stores in four states, uh, nearly 70% of them fall in the $6 to $10 range. They're below that $10 mark. And then you know, kind of looking at it, there's probably 25 more percent in less than $6. So you're looking at 95% of all the sales of premium cigars being under the $10 mark, according to his numbers. Um, and that's probably a reasonable sampling. At least I oh, think. I would definitely make the assumption that that's a reasonable sampling. If Gary's willing to share the the backup information on that, I don't think it was done in vain. Mm -mm. He's absolutely willing to share it. Um, that's why he has to be credited for it. So whoever has a question or wants to see some, some raw numbers uh, within reason, I guess, uh, he's, he's happy to share them. Well, and uh, certainly Gary's experience and his history of managing shops and the number of shops and the volume of cigars that I'm sure he uh, has seen turnover would be would be quite a I don't know quite a reference point I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean you're looking at less than ten percent of his sales in all those shops being over the ten dollar mark. Hmm. And it's just like we've talked about before that six to ten dollar range to the sweet spot, and that that sweet spot is you know. 70% of all cigar sales. Hmm. I wonder what that is. I wonder if that's annual sales in his shops. Um, I believe it is. I believe it may have been last year's sales. Yeah, that, you know, if you add up the higher dollar amounts, what do you get, 17,000 cigars? Roughly, if those numbers on the the vertical axis are in thousands. Seventeen thousand cigars would put his. Those vertical axis is percentage. Oh, that's percentage. Oh, yeah. well, sorry about that. I apparently wasn't listening when that was described. Oh, I guess the last line, the left-hand column, is the percentage of cigars sold. Yep. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, well, I. Uh, I thank Gary for sharing that. That's that's a heck of a thing, a heck of an item to have uh, worked up, and it absolutely illustrates the point and one of the biggest issues that I personally had with uh, that ten dollar range or ten dollar yep. mark. Yep, I, I I like this chart. It's real simple, kind of gets the point across, and it agrees with me, so it must be right, right? <laughs> uh, well. We're coming to the end of the show notes here. You uh, you want to start waxing poetic for the next hour and a half about this cigar, or do we just kind of wrap it up nicely here? <laughs> we probably should wrap it up. We're uh, we're nearing the two hour mark, an hour and forty five or so. And this my cigar is still wonderfully clean on the palate. And I, and I had a an experience this week with the El Centurion, which I talked about a couple weeks ago when I was in Tennessee. As a side note, the person who won the uh, John who won the the giveaway that night, the impromptu giveaway. I have your package wrapped up. It will be shipping tomorrow. But uh, the El Centurion, I love that cigar. I really do. I think it's fantastic. But I have one laying here in the ashtray. Went and knocked the ash off. You can see what's left here. There's, there's use my handy dandy tool. 
there's two and a half to maybe two and five eighths inches left there. That's about as far as I can smoke them, and they turn kind of ashy. They 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 that when we talk about a cigar telling you it's done and and, and it's it's time to put it down. That one just happens to do that really early, and it always stresses me to to give up on a cigar that early. But I'm just not interested in it anymore. It's it's, it's turned to a flavor I don't really appreciate. And this one has not at, at all. It is still as clean and comfortable and fun and friendly as it was when I lit it. And I've smoked far more than than what I you know had done with that El Centurion. I'm looking at I got a about two and three quarters inches left of this one. Still digging it. Still really clean, like I said. It, it has taken... It's kind of weird. I want to say it's almost lemony, but I would not call it citrusy. It's, it's kind of strange. It has that tartness of a lemon to me, but but still the the sweetness that I had maybe a little earlier on, that, that savory kind of sweetness is not gone, but it's certainly minimized. It's, it's in the back corner somewhere. It's not up front and center anymore. You, uh... You say lemon, but what do you think about? Think of like uh, I don't know if you like Swiss cheese. <clears throat> I do. Think of a sharp Swiss Swiss cheese, something that's got some some I don't want to say bite to it, but it has a little bit of that funk, a little bit of that sharpness. That's what I get out of this. It's not so much a lemony, acidic. Uh, uh, citrusy flavor. It's it's almost like a a sharp cheese like uh, feeling. I, I I'm absolutely getting that. Hmm. You know, I could work with that. As you kind of describe it that way, I don't think I ever would have come up with that on my own. But yeah, I can see that. I get it. It's uh, it's just an intense cigar. I, I um. I get flavors, I get sensations, it's clean, it's it's very, very full, not full-bodied, but full-flavored to me. Well, you know, I don't even know if I'd say full-flavored. It doesn't feel as if it's brash flavor-wise, but it's it's subtle flavor-wise. It's comfortable. It's, it's giving you so much, but it's giving it in a way that you can kind of take it in. I don't feel overwhelmed or like I can't, I can't, pinpoint it you know I, I it's so well rounded it's like a river rock I've used that analogy before there's so much there but it's been it's been etched away to where it's it's just ripe it's ready for you to kind of digest it I dig yeah. this yep the dross has been taken out it's pure the what has been taken out the dross I don't know what that is dross uh so it's actually an old biblical reference when, when you're smelting like a precious metal uh-huh. and it's all melted in the crucible. The dross is the stuff, the impurities that gather on the top and are floating and you skim those off and you're left with pure silver so or gold or whatever. A 24 karat gold cigar is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Oh, man. I uh, I have to say I am doing something a little different tonight. I am having sparkling water ah. with my cigar. I I wanted to really devote myself to this, and I'm glad that I have. Cool. Well, I actually drink coffee with it, as you know, and 
It was good that way, too. I'd barely call that coffee. <laughs> I don't even know what to say with that. <laughs> uh, you know, you're was, giving me a hard time. That's this fine. This is a total rat trail with your sparkling water. I don't, I'm not a fan of sparkling water. I used to be 20 years ago when they would put just like a little dash of flavor in there, but... Um, it was a lot. when we went we went to Scotland in 2008, and um, mm. you had to specify if you wanted sparkling or still water, Flat. Yeah. because if you just asked for water, that's what you got. And I'm not a fan. So I had to <laughs> repeatedly say no. Guys, I'm still water, please. <laughs> uh, well, I. Uh in 2007 in Italy, it was very much the same thing. Uh, so I, I wonder if that's just a European thing. I am not nearly cultured enough to say that definitively. Me neither. I, I'm just a hillbilly. A wayward hillbilly, one might say. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> well, well, this has been this has been something that I have to say thank you to you on. I uh, I appreciate your generosity in sharing it. Sincerely. You are welcome. And if I ever get around to sorting through that bottom shelf, we'll have some more. Holy hell. Uh, I don't know if I could take it. Nah, you could take it. Yeah, I could take it. You don't know if you could take it, but you're willing to try. Aren't I'm you? willing to try, absolutely. <laughs> well, cool. How about we uh, wrap up? I think that that is absolutely appropriate. All right. Well, folks, we... Uh, Definitely appreciate those of you who, who bore with us tonight and have hung hung tough in the chat room wherever it has ended up at Cigar Federation. Uh, next week we will be back with the same instructions as we've been given out this week. Everything hopefully will be working properly next week and we won't be shut down. Um, but uh, we appreciate it. We, uh, you, As always... We'll be streaming at Cigar Federation, streaming at halfash.com. Chat should be fully functional. And uh, you can find us there. You can find us at thecigarme.com. That's our email addresses are there. Kip at thecigarme.com and Craig at thecigarme.com. Love to hear from you. We got, had a few this week. And uh, those kinds of things are, are welcome additions to the show. We like getting questions, comments, and concerns. Good things to me, bad things to Craig. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. We're, we're just kind of all over the place, underfoot, as I always like to say. And um, I had something else to say that I totally have lost my train of thought on. But, oh, Unbanded, if you have a suggestion, send that to info at com, where my wife will either herself or one of my cohorts will source the cigars, take the bands off, and provide them to us Unbanded to uh, smoke on the show. If you have a submission you would like to send in an unbanded, you can email me or Craig at those aforementioned addresses, and we will connect you with somewhere to send them. And uh, I think I think that's about it. Oh, what's our, what's our cigar of the week next week? It's your call. Oh well, I uh, I was just looking at our schedule, and uh, um, I gotta say I absolutely need that photo from you of what I sent you because I, I was hoping you put it in the schedule as to what I had sent along, but I, I don't know what uh, what I've got headed your direction. Okay, I will get that done. 
We'll put that out through Twitter this week. I'm at the underscore Cigarmy. Craig is at Craig S. Schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. And uh, while you're browsing around halfhash.com, uh, stop by the forum there. It is now encapsulated in a part of the website. So uh, once we get all the bugs ironed out with the chat and all, we will have one single username for chat, for the forum, for the website, posting comments and whatnot. All that will be tied together. One login will get you into all of them, um, assuming, again, that we get the chat working. Well, tonight's been a fun show. I owe you a big thanks, Kip. I know that uh, I probably can't say thanks enough for what's likely an irreplaceable experience, but uh, I will give it a try and say thank you, my friend. You're uh, welcome. These these things are made for smoking and sharing, man. I'm not so sure about the sharing part sometimes, but the smoking yeah. part, definitely. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, that's all that matters for me because you've got a whole uh, bottom shelf of things that I don't have access to. Yeah, there's a few left. <laughs> <laughs> I've shared a lot of them. <laughs> well, I uh, absolutely want to say thank you to you for that, my man, and um, thanks to everybody who's listening. Obviously, we uh, we have a show that goes out to our listeners. It goes out to the people that we really. Uh, appreciate and that we want to entertain and want to please. We we joke all the time that this is something that we do uh, for ourselves, but I got to say, I'm pretty sure that uh, having people who enjoy what we do makes this uh, pretty nice too. So thanks, folks. I uh, want to sincerely uh, express that. also want to uh, send this show out this week to two dear friends of mine who I have dreadfully missed, both Jared and Jenny. I have a, a little bit of a, a an annual uh, tradition with them. We always go out to an OTB in a great restaurant on Derby Day, and uh, you know the wife dresses up, wears a hat, and uh, have mint juleps and all that jazz. And tomorrow's the first year we're gonna miss it in a few, and uh, uh, I'm I'm a little bummed about that, but we'll get back to it. And it's not uh, for lack of caring or lack of trying. Those are good people, Jared and Jenny, and. Uh, Wanna, they're so good, I want to send tonight's show out to them. So, But, folks, from uh, all of us here uh, at Half Ash, to all of you, we want to say thank you. And without question, uh, say that we hope you join us next week. So from all of us to all of you, good night, everybody, and thanks for listening. <laughs>